If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie. Our scripture lesson this morning comes in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time in the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant us wisdom and courage for our interpretation. I really want to know how it happened. I mean, we know that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, but did he call before he went over? Had Jesus already changed into his pajamas? Did Nicodemus bring something with him, like a pan of brownies, to make it less awkward when he knocked on the door? I mean, maybe he threw rocks at the window to get Jesus' attention. Hey, Jesus! I have some follow-up questions that can't wait until morning. This is an occupational hazard of pastoring. Even though we only work one day a week, <laughs> we're on call nights and weekends. And there really isn't any telling what kind of conversation we're going to have, although it is really hard to shock a pastor. But please do not hear that as a challenge. <laughs> we might guess that Nicodemus knew he was pushing some personal boundaries with this late night visit because he starts with flattery. Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs you do apart from the presence of God. And, and it's not necessarily that it was hollow praise. I mean, Nicodemus likely meant every word. Remember that we're only three chapters into the Gospel of John, and already Jesus has called the disciples, turned water into wine, overturned tables at the temple, and performed a number of unspecified signs. 
So maybe Nicodemus wasn't just buttering up Jesus. I will admit to you, though, if you call the walkie house after 9 p.m., please do not start with flattery. Just get right to it. An early bedtime is what we consider living our best lives. Um, but honestly, I'm not sure we should assume Jesus was super pleasant about this interruption. After all, Jesus is consistently cranky in the Gospel of John. Like I said, it only took him um, just two chapters to overturn tables in the temple, not to mention that he also used a whip to drive out the money changers during that episode. But it's probably safe to say that Jesus wasn't too far into his bedtime routine because he's fairly gracious with Nicodemus, although he is pretty direct. After Nicodemus says that he can sense the presence of God, Jesus invites him to join in the work. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. So come on. Notably, Nicodemus does not argue about the need to be born from above, but he does have some reservations about how practical it might be. How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Don't be obtuse, Nicodemus. I mean, we are tempted to think that Nicodemus must be pretty thick, dense, dull, slow on the uptake if this is his response. Of course, that is not what Jesus meant. But I'm not sure that that's Nicodemus' problem. He has, after all, come to Jesus to ask some clarifying questions. He's seen what Jesus has done, heard him preach, and Nicodemus has some doubts and wonderment about how faithfulness has been defined previously for him. He was ready to examine his own long-held beliefs and embedded theology. He does so even though he had an immense amount of privilege as a member of the Sanhedrin, one of the rulers of the people. So he comes to Jesus at night. There is, of course, heavy metaphor in John's storytelling, but it is also true that Nicodemus came to Jesus under the cover of darkness to avoid judging eyes, maybe even ours. But my theory, though, is that Nicodemus is the patron, the patron saint of progressive Christians, especially those raised in the Bible Belt for all of the reasons named above. We have some doubts and wonderment about how faithfulness has been previously defined for us. We are ready to examine our own long-held beliefs and embedded theology, mostly. We are like Nicodemus in that we, too, have some trouble with that born-again business, even though we would never have taken those particular words from Jesus literally. It goes without saying that born again has become associated primarily with what is often and misleadingly called conservative Christianity. It is misleading because it actually is not very conservative. A conservative is one who seeks to conserve the wisdom of the past, but much of the conservative Christianity of our time is a modern creation, not a conservation of the riches of the Christian past. This includes, but is not limited to, the heaven and hell framework for an afterlife, the virgin birth, and premillennial dispensationalism, the belief that Jesus will physically return to earth 
before a literal thousand-year golden age of peace. Given its association with this kind of Christianity, it is not surprising that for many of us, there are mainly negative associations with the phrase, born again. Born again has become a litmus test, the ticket to get on the last lifeboat leaving Earth, an exclusive club for people who hold the ultimate truth. This lectionary passage we study this morning is where the Greek phrase often translated into English as born again or born anew appears for the first time in scripture. The NRSV translation we heard earlier reads born from above, born again, born anew, born from above. They are all a metaphor an image of radical transformation. We hear this metaphor in other New Testament passages. In his letter to the church in Rome, Paul writes, therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Paul obviously did not mean they had actually died and been buried. And then in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke, Jesus invites the disciples to take up their cross and follow him. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Here again, Jesus speaks in metaphor. Theologian Marcus Borg explains, to be born again, to be born of the Spirit, is to die to an old identity and way of being and to be born into a new identity and way of being centered in the Spirit of God, which for Christians is known normatively in Jesus, although there are other examples and paths by which to center oneself in God. But being born again is utterly central to Christianity, one of the main images for the goal and promise of the Christian life. It describes our transformation and ultimately the transformation of the world. For those who are born of the Spirit of God share God's passion for a more just and peaceful world. It is to say that we believe in grace, in repentance, in reform and redemption. It is to believe that the smallest acts of kindness matter, the smallest moments of grace can save us, that every phone call, email, or conversation with an elected official may be the one to tip the scales, that what we do and how we live really matters. So this is kind of bad news, right? Like actually terrible news. It really is much easier to understand being born again as praying the, quote, sinner's prayer and asking Jesus into one's heart. But to actually believe that one can be transformed, start anew, be born again and become a new creation? Well, that sounds like something straight out of the X-Files, and most of us are Agent Scully skeptic types rather than Agent Mulder believers. Perhaps this is why Nicodemus seems to not understand what Jesus is saying, at, at least not initially. Remember, Nicodemus is a member of the Sanhedrin, the religious 1%. So perhaps he is stalling. Could he 
really be someone other than the labels he has lived with for so long? Can we? After all, we have a certain way of doing things. We have our routines, we are fine and dandy, comfortable where we are, in our lane, thank you very much. And if we're honest, there is also that ever-present undercurrent of what we think we know about ourselves. We have a type we always fall for. We have a role in our family system, no matter how dysfunctional. We are known for that one thing. We have a certain skill set, and there is a lot of risk in trying something new. The trail is marked, the path is worn, so if change is hard, transformation is beyond the scope of our expertise. The prevailing attitude seems to be that no one really believes that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven will ever really happen, which is why only beauty pageant contestants have the audacity to make suggestions about how to achieve world peace. <laughs> but as people of faith, we have stories that tell us otherwise, and they usually begin as this one does, with some personal transformation. As followers of Jesus, we begin to move this world towards peace and justice as we move our own selves towards peace and justice, one decision at a time. And the first step is to actually believe that we are capable of being born again, born anew, born of the Spirit, that we can begin again. And to be clear, because Nicodemus brought it up, it's not an age thing. It's a mindset. It can be as hard for a 30-something young professional to believe that they can be born again as it is for a 60-something retiree to believe that they can be born again, start anew, begin again. But our sacred stories tell us that we can. If Nicodemus is truly the patron saint of progressive Christians, it would be nice to know what happened to him. Uh, it's not clear how Nicodemus responded to Jesus after this exchange in chapter 3, for Nicodemus kind of disappears and the story transitions to Jesus and the disciples heading to the Judean countryside. But I think it is safe to assume that Nicodemus entered into a time of soul-searching, which we call the wilderness during the season of Lent. We hear from Nicodemus two more times in John's Gospel. In chapter 7, he appears as a check on those who want to arrest Jesus. His fellow Pharisees were not being Pharisee, as the song goes. You just can't willy-nilly arrest him, for our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, Nicodemus says in chapter 7. I mean, he's not exactly standing shoulder to shoulder with Jesus, but he's no longer hiding under the cover of darkness. So maybe it is with us. Transformation does not always happen all at once, 
We start with a first step, one decision to do something different, modify one thing about this day, or maybe we do it under the cover of night so that at first no one sees. We begin to pay attention to how we speak to ourselves and to each other. Every day, a hard but beautiful change. Transformation is progressive. We are moving ever towards it. We are becoming, as Michelle Obama would say. The third time we see Nicodemus in the Gospel of John, things are very different. In John chapter 19, he joins Joseph of Arimathea to take the body of Jesus off the cross, prepare it for burial, and lay him in the tomb. By this point in the story, Nicodemus is ready to act. Nicodemus has become who God knew him to be all along. It is safe to say that Nicodemus was, in fact, born again, born anew, born of the Spirit. So what is it that you will do today? How will you be born again, be born anew, be born of the Spirit, and begin to live with conviction that not only can we move the world towards justice and peace, but that it starts with our own hearts and minds. This morning, go out from this place trusting these words from the poet Sarah R. Begin again life whispered in my ear. For some days are beginning days. Some days are designed to be the day we try again. And on those days, the sun rises for you. On those days, the birds sing for you. On those days, God is cheering for you. That's just the way God and beginnings work. For when your heart is broken and your life is in pieces, or when the addiction or the depression have found their way back into your bones, or when you lose sight of the person that you were called to be, the wilderness will sing to you, begin again. Begin again with the person you want to be. Begin again with the person you want to be to love, begin again with the knowledge of your faith, begin again. The sun is rising for you. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m. Mayflower also has a full church school for children of all ages available during the 11 a.m. service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.